always gonna look a little bit different than standard week. So if you're new here, typically, we'll do something like what we just did. We'll sing some songs. Every now and then, we'll have cereal on the porch like we had this morning. Um, and then I'll come up and give some sort of teaching. And today, I'm gonna give a very condensed teaching, and then I'm gonna invite us to participate in something. And if you've been coming for um, more than a few weeks, you've heard me say, like, man, church is so much better and living into what it really is supposed to be when we, the people, participate, when we're active. We're not just listeners or receivers, but we're participants with the text, with worship, with loving one another, with loving the city of Nashville. And there's just gonna be an opportunity today, just a heads up, for you to talk with the Lord and to really open up your life. And if you come here today and, and you identify as a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna invite you to like really talk to God today. And if you come to here today and you're like, I'm not really sure what I believe, I still believe really firmly in my heart that, that what I'm gonna invite us all into, God has something for you. Even if you're not sure of him, I believe that he has something for you this morning, okay? So we're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter five. If you're using one of our blue Bibles on one of the communion tables, um, that is on page 590. If you have your own Bible, I don't know what page it's on. So good luck, it's in the New Testament, near the end of your Bible, honestly, just before the book of Revelation. First Peter chapter five, so if you've been with us all summer, we've been in this series, you're not surprised that we're in First Peter, we've been here a while. It's called A Sojourner's Guide, is what we're calling this study of First Peter, and the reason we're using this word that we probably don't use a lot in our normal lives, this sojourner word, is because Peter is writing to a group of people that he's gonna say, hey, it's because you are sojourners. What's a sojourner? A sojourner is someone who is staying somewhere temporarily, all right? They're in a place of residence that's not their permanent place. And Peter's gonna write to a group of people, if you remember all the way back in chapter one, several weeks ago, where Peter's gonna go, hey, if this doesn't feel like home, it's because it's not. If you find yourself feeling out of place, like hoping in this Jesus, and you just feel odd in the culture you're in, it's because this isn't home yet. There is an imperishable, undefiled gift of eternal life that's waiting for you. Keep your eyes on that while you experience discomfort and trouble because of the faith in which you walk in, in the culture you find yourselves in, if that makes sense. So he goes, you are sojourners. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I would say you are a sojourner, that although you might find yourself in Nashville or California or wherever you're at, that this is temporary, that our more permanent reality awaits for us in the kingdom of heaven, like for all of eternity, as insane as that truly is. It's really, really cool, really special. So um, that's kind of the, the premise behind why we're in First Peter and why Peter's writing the letter. And then if you remember last week, we talked about um, eldership and in First Peter 5, 1 through 5, <laughs> was, uh, was describing like the role of elders to be kind of spiritual covering for the church, overseers, helping the church be honorable and, and not seeking to lord over us, but to help us. And then we announced that we as a church are appointing three elders and their families to, to oversee our church. And we're going to be like thinking about that and praying about that for the next month. And then on August 12th, we're going to have a celebration where they officially become our elders. If you were here, you remember that? If you weren't here, talk to me after. Um, I can tell you how it was, what it was like. This week, we're gonna be in 1 Peter 5, and we're gonna focus on verses six through nine. And uh, like I said, it's gonna look a little different. So um, yeah, let's read verses six through nine. Um, I'll tell you some thoughts, and then I'm gonna invite us as a church to participate in something. Does that sound good? I feel like I've just got up here and started blabbering, which is kind of my job. But are we with, do you hear what I'm saying? Did I go too, I probably did go too fast. I'm trying to fix that, no guarantees. All right, verse six, chapter five. 
Peter saying, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. A quick question after reading that, you know, verse seven says, casting all your anxieties on him. Just a show of hands, has anyone ever dealt with feeling anxious? Have you ever felt that? Anybody? Okay, thank you to all you who kept your hands down. You deceived us, because I know you have too. Um, <laughs> I know you have, probably this week. Um, don't know what this voice is. Um, but <laughs> the thing that was just kind of prominent in my heart this week was this word anxiety. I don't know if it's uh, a this cultural moment word or if anxiety has been around forever. First Peter, it's in there, so it's been around for at least like 2,000 years, right? But I feel like this word anxiety is a word that, whether we like it or not, is close to home. That a lot of us, whether in this season, like right now, this week, like today, or in the past year, or at some point, we have had an encounter with anxiety. And I found it interesting that as Peter is concluding his letter, he brings up these anxieties and says to cast them on the Lord. But right before that, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord. So humble yourselves. Don't, don't assert your thoughts, your beliefs, your ways of life above the words and the ways of God. Don't do that. Come to God, like underneath, saying like, humble yourselves. Like, God, what do you say? What are your words? What are your ways? Humble yourselves. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then in the same breath, he goes, because you've got an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. I'm like, chill, man. We just got done talking about anxieties. Who's this devil that's trying to devour me? Like, I got anxious again. You know, like, what in the world's going on there? And I started to ask myself, why, as, as Peter is concluding this letter, is he going to connect these three dots? Humility, anxiety, and the devil prowling around. And I think anxiety, like this... Me bringing it up isn't the first time you've thought about anxiety, maybe the word, but you've felt it probably in recent memory. And today we're, we're just gonna talk about, I guess a healthy way to respond to when you feel anxious, when you have worry, when you have concern, frustration, something that is just prominent in your mind and how sometimes there's more to it than meets the eye. And I'm gonna do this really quickly because I think it's gonna come alive as we practice something together, okay? But it's interesting to me, I'm like, why does he connect anxiety to like the devil? And I, I thought about Jesus's words in Matthew chapter six in verse 25, where he says, hey, don't be anxious about your life, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God. After he says a few things and he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And I found that interesting. Like, it's like kind of a weird solution. Like, what, Jesus, what are you getting at? Hey, in order to not be anxious, seek first the kingdom of God. And then it kind of hit me, wait, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, after you cast your anxieties on the Lord, be aware, you have an adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion. I started thinking, wait, is there more than meets the eye with anxiety? Because I don't know about you, but when I feel anxiety, I don't think about that there's potentially an adversary at work. 
in how I handle my anxiety. I don't think about Jesus's words that go, hey, if you're anxious, seek first the kingdom of God. When I feel anxiety, what I think about is anxiety. (laughs) That's what I think about. I don't know about you guys, but I don't go into this thorough thought process of now where could this be coming from? I think of this needs to be fixed five minutes ago. Like this is not good. I, I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm having a good week, everything's chilling, had a killer sermon, at least for the two people that told me they liked my sermon, right? Uh, my house church went well, like me and the girl I'm dating, shout out, like we're doing good, like everything's good. I'm like, I'm listening to Hillsong on the way to work. Like I, I got the podcast, listening to a sermon, walking down 12 South, just praying for the city of Nashville. Someone comes up to me, is like, hey, can I talk to you about discipleship? I'm like, yes, my beloved, I will talk to you. Like I am anointed, you are anointed, spirit of God, feel this, everything's good to go. But man, in the weeks where the sermon like, just wasn't good and I accidentally put my identity in that, like everybody thinks I'm an idiot, like that stinks. Or there's some like relational tension or me and the girl aren't doing good, which never happens. Leah, we're always doing well, like, okay, shout out. But you know, but if, if the thing happened and we weren't, right? And I get anxious and I get nervous and I'm scared and I go to sleep and I just wanna watch Netflix because I don't wanna be vulnerable. I don't wanna let God in on that. Like, God, I will talk to you. I will be honest and transparent and vulnerable with you once this mess is cleaned up, okay? I'm down to be honest and vulnerable and real with God when I'm proud of the things I wanna be honest and open and real about. Does anyone else connect with that? But the minute I have something that I'm wrestling with and I'm doubting God, and maybe, like, forgive me, I'm angry at God. Like, what is going on? I feel like I didn't sign up for this. I feel like you didn't sign up for this. Something has gone wrong in this agreement for this, like, loving relationship. Like, what do I do with this? Or, man, there's this sin, and I thought I wasn't supposed to care about sin anymore, but, man, I care about that more than I care about you, and I'm definitely not talking to you about it, oh, perfect and righteous one. Like, I'm gonna hide this and stress about it until I figure it out, and then I'm gonna come back over here and talk to you. And I think so often when we have anxieties, like, man, how's this gonna work? We need X amount of money, okay? Like, this is not a metaphor. I need this much money by the end of this month, or things aren't gonna go very well. Like, in those moments, how we respond, I think, is more than what meets the eye. I think so often we underestimate that maybe there's more to it than just the worries that kind of sit right here in front of our faces. I've been quoting Ephesians 6 a lot lately, where Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But it's in the heavenly realms, against the spiritual forces of evil. And if this is your first time at church, sorry, this is a weird conversation, but I believe that there are like spiritual forces at work. And so often, one of the weapons in the hand of the enemy is using things of flesh and blood to put anxiety right in front of our face that we miss that what's really happening is the enemy is robbing our trust in God, is robbing our intimacy with God. And anxiety is so, so good at doing this. I don't know if you relate, but I relate so deeply. When anxiety comes, so often my intimacy with God is hindered. And this morning, I wanna give us a chance as a church to practice being honest and open and just like real talk with the Lord, to not only bring him our best selves, to bring him our fragile selves, our nervous selves, our broken selves, our stuck in darkness, never gonna get out selves, our I don't even believe in you and I'm talking to you selves. I wanna open up a chance for us to do that. So we have these handouts, I'd love to hand those out. I think we have enough. You guys really overdid yourselves with how many people came today. I'm really thankful. <laughs> oh, did, did, 
13 of you remember you had to go somewhere else? Okay, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Don't leave, stay forever. Um, all right, so we're passing out these handouts. I'm gonna invite you to turn to Psalm 77. I wanna show you this passage that really blew my mind. And for those of you that were at House Church on Monday, yep, I'm using it again, it's gonna be awesome. Um, this passage was actually put on my heart this week, and I think at the perfect time, because we just happened to be in 1 Peter 5, 7 as well. This is gonna blow your mind, or maybe, it blew mine. There was this one time that I was in Uganda, Africa, a couple years ago, and um, I was just with all these people that were so godly and just sold out for the Lord, and we were with all these church planters. We were training them on how to plant more churches and make more disciples. These people were just giants in the faith, like just putting everything on the line to make disciples because they knew the love of God. Our prayer times and our worship times were so lit, like it was insane. Everyone's just going bonkers, like just praising the Lord. And I found myself feeling so lonely and isolated right in the midst of seeing people to what I perceive to be their spiritual peak. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. It's like, it's like you get invited to a really cool party, but only to watch the party, not take place in the party. And you're like, this is the best, worst party I've ever been to because I see how good it is, but yet I'm on the outside. That's how it felt in Uganda when I was watching all these people, just spiritual giants killing it. So I go out by myself and I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated because I'm like, God, why do I feel alone right now of all time? Like I'm around all these great people that love you so much. And I apologize, because this is the next part of the story, and I wish I could lie about it, but I want to be honest. Listen, the wind blew open a passage. Forgive me, that's really what happened. I hate cheesy stories like that, but I opened the Bible, there was a gust of wind, and I found Psalm 77. I apologize. Forgive me, right? I truly believe that God like showed me Psalm 77 via the wind, all right? Psalm 77 blew open, and I started reading this chapter from this guy named Asaph who was like homies with King David. King David appointed Asaph to write music. And I started reading Asaph, and I started reading the first nine verses of Psalm 77, and it blew my mind. I was like, whoa, someone in like the scriptures, like the, the people that really wrote down the good stuff, like that made the Bible like 2,000 years ago, they were wrestling and saying some of the things that I was saying, but could be also scared to say. And I don't know what you bring into today. I, I have no idea what your, what your prayer life is like, what you're comfortable talking with the Lord about, and what you're uncomfortable talking with the Lord about. But I want to read Psalm 77, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll finish in a little bit. And I want to invite you to just really listen to the words that Asaph is going to say here and see how he deals with some of his frustrations and anxious thoughts before the Lord. And hopefully on the other side, we'll learn, like, wait, God not only, like, can handle your frustration, your doubt, your heartbreak, like your darkness, but he welcomes it. Like he's the safest place to bring it. So let's read Psalm 77, one through nine. Really listen to these words. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I've been there. When I remember God, I moan. You ever had those moments? You're like, I know I need to pray. Ugh, ugh. That's what it sounds like to me. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. 
I consider the days of old, the years long ago, and I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Listen to these questions that Asaph is gonna ask. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Those are the kind of questions you don't expect to hear asked on a Sunday morning in church, right? Like, who says this? Has God forgotten to be gracious? I'm like, he might hear you ask that. Like, be careful, you know, like, easy. Like, gracious God, like, be, you know, be careful. But I think that this is such an invitation for us. Like, God, please hear me. Whatever you're bringing in with you today, God is not scared of what you're carrying. He is not intimidated by the questions you are asking, by the heartbreak you feel. I think you might even find that he shares in some of it. Some of the heartbreak you feel, he's like, yeah, that breaks my heart too. Let's talk to me about it. And so this morning, we're gonna finish the second half of the psalm, okay? If you already read ahead, you see it does get pretty epic and pretty sweet, okay? But for a second, I wanna give us permission to sit in the first nine verses. So many of us right now, At 11 a.m., if you're not a morning person, I'm sorry, because I'm about to ask you to be emotionally open when you're not even awake yet, and I feel you, I'm on the same page. But I think a lot of us are carrying right now burdens, frustration, heartbreak, anger, darkness, and the last person we wanna talk to about it is the Lord. Like, we wanna hide that, or we just don't feel like it. And I'm gonna put you in a situation where you're gonna have at least the invitation to talk to God about it. So, you've already passed out the handout, correct? We did? Okay, I literally forgot. All right, so we're gonna play some music. And I wanna invite you to take five to seven minutes. Oh, and we've got pins at the communion tables if you need a pin, so you can go grab one. Or I guess, if you need a pin, will you raise your hand if you need one? Can we do that? Yeah, why don't we just, oh, yeah. Really should've thought through the pin thing. Um, All right, let's get these people as many pins as possible ASAP, all right? Um, But I wanna invite us for the next, like, you can keep them raised too, they're coming around. Um, For the next five to seven minutes, to really sit in this, to take time to be honest about where you're at with God, the questions you're asking, the things that are breaking your heart, the things that are frustrating you. Give yourself permission to sit in that. We're not gonna stay there, but I think it's important that we're honest about where we're at. Um, I'm gonna write some things down. I'll share with you what I write. Like, I'll try to be vulnerable so you guys hear kind of what's on my heart. And um, yeah, so we're gonna play some music. And Make this your living room. If you're like, hey, these people are way too close to my shoulders for me to write really honestly, you can go stand in the back. If you need to go outside, if you need to like sit on the floor, do whatever you need to do to talk to God openly and honestly right now. I just wanna invite you to do that. So we're gonna play some music, uh, wait about five to seven minutes, and then I'll, I'll come back up, all right? What is bringing anxiety? What is breaking your heart? Where do you feel despair? Tell God about that. Be honest. Really talk to him this morning. All right, we're right at five minutes. And um, if you're still writing, please keep doing it. 
I just wanna read mine. Um, it's not, there's some things that stay a little general because some of it is like pretty personal, uh, but I just want just you guys to hear from me. So I, I just wrote, will I forever be bad at praying? Will I always have to want sin? That is so annoying and so discouraging. Why are you so quiet sometimes? It feels like you move so slow. Like I sometimes feel like I need him to keep up with my life. Like I need you right now, where are you? God, I want you, yet I'm so bad at wanting you. I'm so tired of being average at so much. I want peace, I want consistency, and yet so often I am my own worst enemy. I need you so bad, and at times, I legitimately feel like I don't even have you, and that breaks my heart. Is this forever my reality? It's like, that's some of the despair that I can feel in my heart, and I've got way more specific things, but for this moment, like, we'll stay, we'll stay a little sky high. So, um, I just really sent, God is so down to walk with you in your specifics, like the things that are breaking you and that are ang- and make you angry, like it's okay. Um, but the second half of the Psalm, I think it's really, really powerful. Um, this is verses 10 through 20. I want you to hear this. This is in the same breath, like it's still Asaph writing, like he's in the middle of writing when he transitions from verse nine to verse 10, okay? He says, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your wonders of old. I'll ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You've made known your might among the people. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. He's speaking of the Israelites when they were freed from Egypt. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so like for the next 10 verses, the first or the next 11, for the first nine, you get this vibe from Asaph, this despair, like, where are you? I cannot sleep at night. I am so frustrated and deep in the struggle of a life with you, of trying to connect with you. And in the next 11 verses, there's this moment where I don't believe it alleviates or fixes, in a sense, the first nine, but it's a, it's a choice to posture the heart in a way that remembers the deeds of the Lord, that doesn't get fixated on this time and place where I feel this despair, this anxiousness, but I remember the deeds of the Lord. And so he, he starts talking about like the mighty deeds of God in his life. But then if you'll notice, he reaches back into the experience that others have had, which is really hard to do when you're feeling it, right? Is to trust that God has moved in others and therefore is moving in your life. But it's this amazing moment. And so I believe it is entirely possible and in fact normal to in one hand carry anxiety and heartbreak and frustration and doubt, and on the other hand, gratitude and a deep awareness that God has encountered your life, that you have intersected in divine moments where God said, I've got you, like I'm protecting you, or here's this gift, here's this blessing, here's this friendship, here's this bed, here's this roof, here's this meal, like you've had moments where God like impacted your life 
for me, I'll give you a sneak peek into what, like when I say I'm grateful. Like on one side, God, where are you? I feel alone, I can feel isolated. On the other side, I remember when I was a sophomore in college and I got drunk and I got in an accident and I got arrested the week before I started my internship at Ethos. And you put me in the hands of Christians that loved me and walked with me and didn't go, wait, you're a drunk and potentially a felon. You probably shouldn't intern at our church. Instead, they brought me in and loved me. I'm like, God, I could not have landed in a better place when I was at my weakest and darkest of my moments. Like, I know that. So when I doubt you, I remember like the depth of friendship that met me there. I remember my family that loved me. I remember some of the key friends I made my freshman year at Belmont that were spiritual anchors for me as I was running from God and they never left me. So there's moments like that where even when I'm doubting, I can just start weeping. At the same time, I'm weeping out of bitterness and then I'm weeping out of gratitude like, God, where are you? But I don't deserve you. Oh my goodness, you're so good. And I think that can, can happen really in the same breath. And so I'm gonna invite us again for the next five to seven minutes to literally write down, remembering the things that you've seen God do. And if you're like, man, I don't even know, what have you seen God do in others? Like just where have you seen God's activity? And then take time to thank him, to say thank you, God, even if it's with a broken heart, to thank God for the things that he has given you and done in your life. So again, five to seven minutes, we'll say thank you, and then we'll wrap up with the verse in Philippians and uh, go into communion. Keep writing. I'm gonna I'm gonna read mine just because of just looking at time and um, yeah I'm gonna read mine to you. It's really scatterbrained. I said thank you for cars. They make traveling so easy. Thank you for the ruby. I love this space. I love the people in it. Um, thank you for words. It's amazing that I can just make noises with my mouth and you guys understand what I'm saying. Words are really cool. Thanks for outside. I love nature. Thanks for quiet spaces. Thank you for the freedom to make choices. Thanks for the encouraging words from people that love me. Um, I love good food, thank you for that. Thanks for the times when I have wept because of how good you are. Thanks for how good it feels to laugh. Thanks for basketball, thanks for music. Thanks for the Bible. Thanks for blowing my Bible open that one day in Uganda. <laughs> thanks for freedom from drugs and alcohol and addiction. That was a real part of my life. Thanks for sparing my life. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for the babies and the sweet families in the back. Um, I love it. It's so beautiful. Um, thank you for how babies sound. They're amazing. And uh, that's just a few of my things. <laughs> that list can be really long sometimes, and then sometimes I'll just write the second thing, and I'll just start crying and just saying thanks for like, my best friend, Daniel. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm just so thankful. Um, let me read this passage of Philippians 4, and then we'll transition to communion. And to be clear, this is a condensed version of this, right? Like, these are some specific time allotments because, you know, we rent this space. We have to be out at a certain time. Um, so we're kind of forced to make it fit in a window in, in some ways. But um, this is a really good thing, I think, to sit with and, and put your phone away and be completely unaware of time and just, just search your heart. But Philippians 4, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Like whatever's on your heart, let it be known. Like tell God what's on your heart with thanksgiving. Those go hand in hand. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know how that works, that is mysterious, but the peace of God, if that sounds good to you, that surpasses all understanding and logic, right? We'll guard your hearts and minds if we'll let our requests be made known to him with gratitude. Like, so, um, yeah, carry this with you. Like, take this with you. I think this can be a really powerful thing when we walk in deep honesty with the Lord, remembering in some seasons it'll be easier to be honest and not thankful. In other th- seasons it'll be easier to be thankful but not really honest about what's really going on. And, and just to walk with both of those, uh, I think can just really open up a deep relationship with the Lord. So, yeah, okay. As we transition out of this, I wanna invite us to grab communion so we can stand together. Um, if you're near the back, you can exit towards the middle and head to the back and grab communion on the two tables in the corner. If you're near the front, exit towards the middle, come to the front. Communion on all four corners of the room.